We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. It is now officially draft season. So uh, joining me is Dusty Evely. Dusty, what's going on? Nothing, Steve. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> good work. Now. Oh, I, that, appreciate, that good? I appreciate the fake enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, we're just going to keep moving on. And uh, no Sarah for this month. We've got uh, our special guest joining us who is a somebody who – Awesome to follow on Twitter because he's got some great dra- draft mm-hmm. knowledge. Is Tyler Grizoric. Yeah, right. Grizoric. Ah, damn it. So close. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dusty. I, 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 I asked him how to say it before, <laughs> before we even started, and I wrote it down, and I was looking at it, and I still screwed it up. <laughs> so No, it's all good. All right. So we have never talked to Tyler before. I have never talked to Tyler before. So before we get into Packers talk, because uh, there's actually some pretty good stuff to talk about today uh, for an off season, mm-hmm. um, we need to get to know Tyler. So before we can even move forward, Tyler, please discuss with Dusty and I, what is your favorite Oreo cookie? Oh, oh. toughest question right out, right out the bat. <laughs> um, I prepared for like three hours to we're going to talk about and this is not one of those things that I took notes on <laughs> um so i you know pre-recording discussions i feel like if i answer this incorrectly i might just get booted from the recording real quick so yeah 
Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to kind of take a probably a really poorly received stance on all of this. Cookies that much. So, oh, you know, I, I, it was a good run, Tyler. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks thanks for Tyler for stopping up. by. Uh, we really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, I just don't even really eat Oreos. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with the regular because original is always yeah. best. Okay. That's a good, yeah. Good. All right. Good. You saved it. Steve, you came back. Came back strong. All right. That's cool. Thanks, <laughs> All right, Tyler. So now, now getting to know him a little bit more into the sports world, I want to talk to you two uh, about Bryce Harper because Bryce Harper had an epic bat flip and i am all about bat flips i want more of them i love seeing them so tyler lead us off dusty follow us up but give me your quick your quick take on bat flips yay or nay uh i think that they are i think that bryce harper's was incredibly warranted so <laughs> doing it every every time they hit a home run but you know sometimes it's definitely worthy of it i'm I'm very much pro bat flip. Very, okay. very much pro. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm kind of with Tyler. Like if it's, I don't know, like a solo shot in the top of the first, maybe let's cool it. Everybody like just, it's fine. <laughs> like, unless, like, unless it's your first one and you're excited. If you were like, like Juan Pierre and you had hit one in 10 years and then you finally hit one, like that's cool. You do it, man. You do whatever you want to do. But yeah, I mean, that was, man, he was getting, getting booed mercilessly all game get uh, struck out i think his first at bat and then just hits that monster shot and that bat flip that dude's been doing it man that was perfect rotation great height like that was just perfect situation he killed it so yeah i'm do that one that i mean obviously the the bautista one's a huge one as mm-hmm. well like the bautista playoff one again a huge moment um if it's a huge moment you go as big as you need like freaking throw it into the stands and then run backwards <laughs> around the bases for all i care just you just do it up brother do it up outstanding no i mean my favorite was that it wasn't even from the the handle he actually went to the middle of the mm-hmm. bat and gri- and gripped it so he got that good grip and that perfect spiraling spin oh man it was a, it was an epic toss i love perfect. it perfect so yeah i'm glad you guys are all on board with me and I, now i feel we can move on into the 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 meat and potatoes of the podcast and and start hitting some packer stuff because we actually have things to talk about it's the off season we're we're still three weeks away from the draft but there's there's things going on at 1265 they brought in a free agent for a visit. Um, so Arizona's unrestricted free agent defensive lineman, Rodney Gunter, came in today. Um, hasn't missed a game in the last four years. He's 27 years old. He has eight career sacks, uh, fourth round pick in 2015, uh, four and a half sacks this last year. So it looks like he's kind of on the up, the the rise. Uh, and that kind of seems like that's what Goody's going for, is the younger players that are ascending. So um Initial thoughts. I mean, for me, it's interesting to see. Maybe this is a sign that maybe they're not looking for to bring back Mo Wilkerson. But uh, what do you guys think? I'm down with it. I mean, it's it's uh, we before last season. I know I was big on the D line, and obviously they've got talent there with Daniels and Clark, and they had Mo Wilkerson and that, and uh, you know guys like Lowry and stuff like that. Like, and then we we all saw how that went. And I'll probably talk about it later when we start talking about Devin White, but. Uh, you can't have too much depth on the line. I mean, obviously you can because you have a limited roster you're working with. But uh, like you said, Steve, like it's a it's a it's a position that may, they're maybe kind of looking at. Maybe this means no Mo Wilkerson. Maybe it does. But it is a guy. Maybe they see same thing as the Smiths. They see kind of um, say, they see kind of an ascending player that they can get at a decent value at a position that they, that could be very very useful. So 
uh, yeah, whether it works out or not, I have no idea. Um, but I'm 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 all in favor. I mean, this is late in free agency, especially too. You figure you're not signing guys for big big money, so this is a piece that could work out for them. I'm I'm totally on board with it. I'm as well. I, I you know you said that you can't have too many pieces along that. Front. It's one of the you know the players that play are some of the most injured players in the game because there's just so much that and just with each other hitting each other just the entire game you know you can never have too many bodies many players down there and I think at this point in free agency probably get him on a relative I don't know if they're looking to bring him in for a multi-year deal but you know even on a one-year deal for him to go be that I would say for the probably competes with uh, Dean Lowry for that that backup role um, sadly, I think it does mean the end of Muhammad Wilkerson. Um, and I also don't think it means anything towards what they're going to do in the draft. Uh, it's, that's what Gutekunst is doing right now. He's just setting himself to, he's setting himself up to do whatever he wants in the draft. And I don't think this would change anything. So I think the other thing I wanted to talk about today, uh, it seemed like there, there's a big article, uh, came out about Mike McCarthy. We'll talk about that in a second, but it was like, it was almost like Packers regurgitation day of, Oh, we gotta we gotta go live in the past again. Gotta go live in the past because uh, today it came out. <laughs> excuse me, that Jordy Nelson uh, is working on a one day contract with the Packers to retire as a Packer, which is cool. Love that. Great. That's a perfect move. They should right. absolutely do that. And then the news came out that Jordy uh, Jordy Nelson told um, was on a radio show and said, you know, if Aaron Rodgers called me this summer and said he wanted me to come back. That'd be a really difficult thing to say no to. And everybody lost their mind. Uh, like, I, I understand that Jordy Nelson was an intricate part of the Packers for a long time, but sweet Jesus, can we now move on? Like, it, it was all people were talking about for like three hours. I got off of Twitter because it was so annoying. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm the outlier here. You guys, fill me in on your opinions on, on Jordy Nelson because – I think I've had officially had enough of Jordy Nelson coming back to the Packers for real. I saw it. And I, my first reaction was just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm just so like, we legitimately just went through this uh, when they dropped Jordy. like, what, like three weeks ago or something where people were like legit, like they should bring him back. Man, he's got that chemistry and blah, 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 blah. Like we went through, we've already gone through this like recently, like within the past month we have gone through this and I thought we were done. I was like, okay, that's, you know, we got it behind us. You're sticking with the young guys. Maybe you get a guy in the draft. Um, but the, you, you, the Nelson ship has sailed and then it, it came up again. And I was like, what is this? Is this a, like three weeks ago? Is this, did I miss something? It's just, we've been through this. I'm just tired. I'm just, I love Jordy Nelson. I love Jordy Nelson. I'm just so tired. And at my, my first reaction was I'm exhausted. My second reaction is, Jordy Nelson, shut your mouth. Just, just legitimately, just stop talking about this. I don't want to hear it. I again, I love him. I just don't want to have these conversations again. He's not coming back. He was great while he was here. He's not coming back. We all just need to live with that. Tyler, yeah, I completely agree. No, it, no, and it, it's fun to live in the past. It's fun to about team and what he meant to this team and what he meant to Aaron Rodgers. But it's just time to move on. Man, you just gotta rip the bandaid off. Just, just move on. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's just, that's all it is. There's not, there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the fun part is they already ripped it off. They ripped it off. <laughs> they ripped it off over a year ago, and people still are like, "Ooh, that burn!" Like I, 
could we just put the like I think there's still there's still something there. We could put the band-aid back and it and it'd still work. It'd still work. We ripped it off a year ago and then we ripped it off again three weeks ago and now we're ripping it off again. Like this is I'm just it's I'm done, man. i it's raw. My I can't do it anymore. So we're all we're we're officially moving on. I love it. I love that we're all in agreement <laughs> that we should move on from Jordy Nelson. Um big, big article came out today. Uh, Mike McCarthy interviewed by Rob Demosky of ESPN. So I know a lot of us took the time to read it. It was all over Twitter. It was all over, you know, sports radio in, in Wisconsin today. So I'm not going to do a deep dive into it because, I mean, it, if you haven't read it, I would tell you to go read it. It's a really yeah. good piece. Um, it really shows the kind of person that Mike McCarthy is. I think, um, you know, there are multiple times that he could have, thrown the organization, thrown Aaron Rodgers under the bus, um, and he didn't do it. Uh, so for me, for me, my biggest takeaway um, was that he said that it was time for both parties to move on. That was my biggest takeaway from everything because, you know, he may not have liked how it happened, and it probably didn't go down the best way in the world. But still, for me, the the class that he showed throughout the entire the piece and learning more about him and his family and things like that. I think it was a really good thing. Um, but I like the fact that he felt too, that, you know, maybe it's just time for everybody. Um, so I'm looking for him next year to be as a head coach. Um, but I just kind of want to get your, your, your big takeaway. Uh, Dusty, what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked it. Um, that was, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, it was kind of teased. This is coming out and, True to ESPN Hot Take Nature, the hot take was um, the quote they lifted from it was um, they could not have handled this more poorly. And so that was kind of the lead into it the day before this dropped. Uh, so it was, I guess, Tuesday. Uh, that was that was the quote. And it was kind of this, like, is that taken out of context? How was that taken out of context? I have zero idea. Uh, so I was very eager to read it. And so it came out this morning. I read <clears> it this morning. Um, and, yeah, it was good. I mean, I didn't – that part when he said that, um, like, I – I get it. I think it's still a little raw. And his his kind of point was basically Murphy called him into his office and he didn't act like they were old friends. He was not like any, I think McCarthy said anytime he let a player go, it was kind of like this, look, man to man, you know, still kind of try to treat him with respect. And Murphy sounded like he was very kind of cold, um, which McCarthy did not appreciate. And I, I get that. Um, you know, there's a couple things. One of them was McCarthy didn't see the firing coming, which is just preposterous, <laughs> just absolutely preposterous. Um, but also from Murphy's standpoint, it's a you know it's a guy you've worked with closely for a long time. I'm sure that's very very hard. So to have kind of a short curt conversation about that, I'm sure was maybe in everyone's best interest. Um, so I mean that's that's where that quote came from that I thought was really interesting because that's what I was very curious about. But I mean the rest of it, yeah. I mean he talked warmly about the organization. They had at the very end he had a piece um, I really really liked that was uh, what, what would you say the Lafleur and he said you know just embrace the city uh, embrace the city you know it's a good locker room there's a bunch of good guys there like like you said steve like he he had chances to take shots and i feel like he got a little couple passive aggressive shots in there but not many like for the most part he handled it very well he handled it like a guy who didn't like that he got fired but understood it and so i think there's still like tiny bit of bitterness there that he kind of washed over um i loved uh my favorite thing and i'll let tyler go because i'm talking too much um 
he he has a uh, I think he's still living in Green Bay. It said in his home office is just they had a picture of him. It's all of these playbooks and call sheets from his time in Green Bay, and he's got like all this stuff. I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes next year because it sounds like this year he's uh, getting into like he's he's basically looking at everything he's ever done and looking at what the league is going and and like kind of working on that. And so he's got his home office is just set up as like a big just football film review slash analysis section that he's just going to be working through. Like that's his job this next year, which sounds amazing. Like I'd love to, um, I'd love to be in that room with a guy with the mind of McCarthy, just taking a year off from football and going, okay, what has my offense been doing? Where can I get better? Where's the league going? And really just taking a full honest look at that and kind of see what that process looks like. sounds fascinating to me. And the fact that he's kind of doing that, um, I don't know. It's kind of exciting. I thought that was cool. And the um, conversation that we had with his <clears> wife uh, a couple hours after the firing as well, where he kind of talked to her, she was like, you haven't been happy in a couple of years. Kind of like you said, Steve, like it was kind of like a mutual thing, time for everyone to move on. So it was a, it was an illuminating look at, at a guy that's been in green Bay for a very, very long time. And I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was good. You know, I really, really enjoyed reading it. I did too. And I, I took my, took my precious lunchtime to read this and I was not disappointed. So uh, it, it it hit home on a lot of things, you know, uh, specifically what you talked about with Lafleur. Uh, I thought that was pretty pretty strong, and it, yeah. it was a really strong takeaway from that article. Um, and the whole thing with how Murphy handled the, the firing, I I'm not even surprised that that's yeah. how he handled it because that that's how it came off, and that's how I would perceive Murphy to handle something like that. And it's a little sad that, you know, I I don't really as much as some others about the fact that it was done before the end of the season, you know, that's whatever, but to not give him the respect that he probably deserved and to, to kind of let him down easy. I feel like he did deserve that. And um, Murphy probably botched that part of it, but in the end, it is a business. He, you said, you know, you kind of laughed at it too. How did he not see it coming? There's just no way that yeah. he didn't see it coming. I think he said a couple of times that he thought he might expect it based off the way that the seasons had gone recently. But, you know, he, he probably should have had a more, more of an idea. Uh, even he said, you know, losing a game like that at Lambeau in December, you can't do that. Like yeah. that just doesn't happen. And he, he probably should have had a little bit more of an idea that it was coming. Um, but overall probably could have been handled better, but Sounds like he's kind of ripped off his own bandaid now, and he's kind of <laughs> moving on, and he's taking a he's taking a step forward, um, and good for him because he's gonna get a he's gonna get a good job next year, and I, I think he's gonna do a good job because he's gonna go back and realize what mistakes he's made and where he can get better, and he is one of the may not feel like it, but he is one of the best football minds and one of the most innovative football minds in all of the NFL. Well, one thing I was curious about that they didn't address is you know after the whole it wasn't handled correctly. Um, I seem to remember that week he was fired, he uh, came back and actually addressed the team the next day. They allowed him back in the locker room to address the team the next day, and then actually was back again two days later. So that, to me, kind of speaks as either Murphy realized that maybe he was a little colder than he should have been mm-hmm. and let him back in, or like something else was afoot. I don't know, but I thought it was really interesting that he kind of mentioned that about how Murphy treated him. And then there was no follow-up questions as far as, like, well, what was it like when you went back in and addressed the guys in the locker room, like, two days after you – you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. they did – there mm-hmm. was that whole thing that week that was not addressed. So I was kind of curious um, what that follow-up was and how his feelings were on that that didn't get addressed. But that's 
not not the biggest deal, but I thought it would have been a good follow up to the uh, to Murphy's perceived coldness. I think. Yeah, I think for me, one of one of the bigger parts too. Everybody, there's a lot of people of, you know, it rehashed the oh well they they didn't show him enough respect and all those things. And if you go back and watch the press conference after that lab, that final game before right before he was fired, he was asked, "What are you going to go tell this team? Like, what are you going to do to rally this team right now?" And his answer was, "I don't know." <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you got fired at the right time. <laughs> like, I, I'm all about like, it should have been maybe handled a little bit better, but like, if you don't have an answer to that question, then you're, you're done. You're done. You're done. You, you need <laughs> to take that year and four game break in order to recapture your glory and, and go be successful somewhere else. So that was my end, uh, end ending rant. So, we are going to uh, transition now because uh, for the Pack Day podcast, we are going to highlight a player or a position for the next couple of weeks. And we have been tasked to tell you all about the inside linebacker from LSU, Mr. Devin White. Um, so honestly, guys, this guy is kind of crazy. Uh, played inside linebacker at LSU, started, I believe, as a running back. Um recruited as at the very least. I don't know if you ever played, but you definitely recruited (laughs) as, yeah. Right, recruited as a running back, um, but is just, like, dripping with athleticism. Uh, This is somebody that the Packers, I can't think of the last time they would have had an inside linebacker like this, uh, if ever. So let me me just give you the floor right away. Um, For me, I don't think this is, unless they trade up, I don't think he's coming to the Packers. Um, that's just my initial thoughts, but I'd love to hear what you guys initially think when you hear the name Devin White, and then we'll kind of just jump into a little bit of his strengths, his weaknesses, and you know, and we'll we'll end the show on a fun note because the NFL's been screwing some stuff up. But let's <laughs> let's let's jump into Devin White. Uh, Tyler, why don't you lead us off and tell him just what do you think of Devin White when you hear that name? Well, it was kind of interesting talking to you guys pre-recording and just kind of getting our own viewpoints on what we think of Devin White and where he's going to be in the draft and just what we think of him as a prospect in general. And um, particularly myself, I'm much lower on him than others. I don't even think I have him in my top 20 on my big board. And I'm 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 looking at Devin White, and like you said, he's dripping with, with athleticism, and that is 100% true. But I feel like if you're taking Devin White, you're drafting the athlete who can mm-hmm. hopefully learn how to play football. Now, he he has some of the instincts that you're looking for at the inside linebacker position, but he misses too many big assignments or keys or you know whatever you want to talk about as far as what he needs to do in a play diagnosis, play recognition standpoint. He misses too many of those things for me to spend a top 15 pick on him. And... I love the upside with him. Don't get me wrong. He can he, he could probably do anything you want him to do at the NFL level from a coverage standpoint. He's already a very effective blitzer. He does have a good sense and a good feel for that. He had the sideline. But we're not talking about a Roquan Smith here. Roquan Smith last year was the entire package. Devin White is half the package. And I think that's kind of my problem with him. Uh, he overpursues plays. He tries to make the big play way too often instead of just making a tackle you know, and that over pursuing. Um, But those are some of my big problems with them. 
I know that you guys are higher on him than I am, but what what are your thoughts of Devin White? I think you're speaking for Steve Taylor. You're not you're not speaking for me. You're not speaking <laughs> for me when you say we're higher than you are. I'm I'm about in the same boat. I, I might might be slightly higher. I don't know. Like he's to me, yeah, like I mean you hit on a whole bunch of stuff. Like he's a freak athlete. He's a guy that he's a guy that you can dream on. Like he's got all of the tools. Every every single like he's a big beefy dude and his speed and his his closing speed is preposterous. But there's a, there's a lot of holes in his game. Um I actually I read something about and then it kind of informed the way I looked at him after that. Uh, you know, with with him being recruited and him playing running back uh, as a high school guy, uh, a lot of his reads, it's still almost like he's reading it. Uh, he's reading things as a running back and not as a linebacker. He's not necessarily assignment sound. He's looking for, uh, he's looking at maybe cutback lanes when he should be looking at just, just scrape over and just play your gap, man, because that's, that's your job. Um, so once I read that and I was watching a little more on him, it made a whole lot of sense to me. And I don't know if that's what's going on or not. Um, but he's been playing linebacker, you know, for, uh, three years essentially at this point. Um, so it makes sense. Like he's a guy to me that like, if he puts it all together, like you said, you're drafting the athlete. If he puts it all together, he's going to be insane, but you almost have to like, you almost have to assume it's going to be at least a year. You're drafting a guy that's a project. He's got, he's got holes in his tackling. He's got holes in his assignments. He's kind of, uh, kind of, he'll leave cutback lanes open, um, or he'll, look at the cutback lane and, and just leave his gap open. Like he's just, he's a little hesitant. He does have good instincts at times, but he's a little hesitant also at times. Like he's a guy that seems like everything should be there, but it's not like in the right situation. I would almost see like first year, man, you're playing like, you know, 20% snaps and then you're a special teamer because the dude would be an absolute freak special teamer. And then hopefully by year two, you've got enough of, of kind of the system and you've got enough of the speed and you've got all that where you can, you can adjust, which again, you can dream on because he's the kind of athlete you assume that he's going to be able to adjust, but you're drafting the guy you hope he will be, which is not what I want at 12 at all. So like he's, if he puts it all together, like in two years, you could say, you know, you could tell me Devin White's going to be the best linebacker in the league in two to three years, and I believe you. You can also say uh, Devin, line, Devin White is basically the best special teamer in the league that every now and then will come in in certain packages, and that's about it. And I would also believe that. Like, it's, it, he's got a super high ceiling, but he also has a super low floor. And I, like, at 12, that's a big risk at 12, man, for an inside linebacker. Like, this isn't. It's not an outside rush guy. It's an inside linebacker. And Steve, you mentioned you don't know the last time the Packers have had a guy like this. Guys like this don't exist that much. For like what he could potentially bring, like I go back, I might love him more than most. Uh, like Nick Barnett in his prime was an absolute animal, just an animal. And I think Devin White could could be better than that, but he also could be way worse than that. The gap is just huge on him. I, I I see what you're saying, but I mean you can say that about most NFL draft picks. You can say <sighs> I feel like the floor is lower with him. Really? Some are safer yeah. than others. Yeah. I mean yeah. you're you're right. Some are safer than others, but when you have a, a ceiling as high for his potential, I mean I guess I think that is the case of you're investing in, and hoping that his athleticism. I mean to me that it's it's like Jadavian Clowney, like. Um, you're, I know it's a different position. He was the edge, but he didn't have the craziest numbers in the world, but you were banking on that, that athleticism 
to to transfer into the NFL. I mean, for me, the one reason I would like him, like I know he does miss those, like the biggest thing for me I, when I read a whole bunch of scouting reports on him, like you guys talked about, was the tackling because it seems that he's missing tackling more than he should. Um, and one of the bigger things I read was that he, instead of driving through people, as I think Tyler kind of hit on this, was he tries to make that big play of like lifting somebody up and throwing them down to the ground as opposed to just making the squared up tackle, moving on to down to second down, that kind of thing. So, but I think if you, if he somehow slides at 12 and then you can pair him next to um, Blake and have those two kind of work together. And, you know, I think to me, if you could get those two together and then let, let Patton just kind of scheme that would be gold. I, I don't know. Maybe if you guys think that that that's crazy, but for the, for giving Mike Patton this this weapon, I think is something that I would love to see. I mean, Patton schemed Fackrell to a double digit sack here last year. He, I mean, Blake Martinez is one of the top pressure guys, and he's not a pressure guy. Like that's it's if you're talking Patton, like I get it, I get it. I just like part of me is an inside linebacker with the holes in his game that he has the value simply is not there. Like, if he hits in three years, like, maybe this looks dumb. But, like, Clowney, at the very least, like, you figure he's going to be a demon off the edge. Like, the problem with inside linebacker is if you're not assignment sure, you're going to kill your team. Like, that's going to be an issue. And so if he busts, he busts hard. I just don't think the value is necessarily there, for me anyway. Well, no, and I agree. And specifically inside linebacker, kind of you were just hitting on it. Those instincts and those the, that mental awareness, that play awareness, that play recognition, all that stuff means so much more than it does in any other position. Maybe safety is a close second, and then quarterback obviously is up there as well. But, you know, the point is those mental parts of the game, being assignment sure means so much more for an inside linebacker than they do for any other position. And I'm dropping Devin White on my board because of it. You're – you're taking way too big of a risk in that area. He has to develop, in my opinion, way too much in that area for me to spend a a premium pick, one that the Packers probably won't experience, I hope, for a while. And you're you're looking at this guy and hoping that he can come in and be a special teamer and maybe be a backup in this first year. I'm not spending a 12, 12th overall pick on that. I'm sorry. Like that's well, just not. You, oh, that's what Dusty. Doing. That's what Dusty wants to do. He wants to take the 12th overall pick, use him 20% of the time and then kick him to special teams. Like that's just dumb. I'm sorry. That's that's, you're not a GM in the NFL. Dusty. That's not what I said. That is what you that's, said. You're no, I, no, I said, I don't want him at 12, but that's what Devin White is in his first year. I don't want him at 12, but I do think yes. that's what he – like, I think, too, I think if you look at the Packers' defense, if you look at what they're doing, and this goes back to the Gunter conversation we had earlier, if you look at kind of how that D-line looks, which right now, you know, is um, Clark, obviously, Daniels for at least another year, uh, Lowry, I'm going to say either, you know, Gunter or Wilkerson, uh, uh, Lancaster showed quite a bit last year as well. Um, you've got guys up front that can, you know, they're going to – they're going to tie up bodies. They're also going to hit some of those gaps in the pet and stuff. You need a, you need a linebacker behind that. Like White's very good at shedding blocks. I think those bodies up front are going to allow for a few more free lanes, and it seems like they are kind of building that D-line a little bit where you don't need a guy that can shed. Not saying you don't need a guy that can shed those blocks, but I think Devin White, what Devin White's skill set brings is diminished a bit if you're getting a little, if you're getting some free rushers, which Petten is very, very good at. 
and then you have a guy that may be out of position. I just think based on kind of what the Packers have, based on what the Packers are doing, I don't I don't love that. He's like if he fell to him at thirty or something or second round, like that's cool, man. Like I'm, I'm he's not going to fall that far. I just I don't like him at twelve. Right. I, based on based on the way the rest of the round falls, I don't like him at twelve. You guys, you guys are very clear. You don't want him to the Packers at twelve. <laughs> uh, let's have a little fun to to end up the, the Devin White conversation. Um, where where do you think he is going to be drafted? What number? Too high. Tyler, you, yeah, you got a pulse on this better than I do. Tyler. Too high. <laughs> Popular pick right now is to five at Tampa. I, I think he could go anywhere in between there. Oakland could take him as high as four. Um, I think he goes somewhere between four and eleven. I don't even think he makes it to twelve personally, and I'm kind of happy because it ta- it takes that that ability to make a dumb decision out of Gutekunst's hands. Excuse me, being a little blunt, but you know. <laughs> That's just how I feel about it. I don't. I if he if he's sitting there at twelve, I I feel like Gutekunst is going to be really thinking about taking him, and he really uh, maybe should be, but maybe just not at twelve. Um, so I think he'll go somewhere from four to eleven. I think that's kind of his sweet spot. But all right, I mean, for, yeah, for me, that's uh, everything you've seen is Tampa Bay for the most part because. Losing Quan Alexander it was pretty big for their defense, so you you want to assume they're they're most likely looking at inside backer. So my guess is Tampa Bay. Um, we shall see. It's going to be interesting because he is going to be handed a hat the day that he is drafted. The first round <laughs> draft pick is going to be handed a hat, and I'm sure everybody that's listening and that's on Twitter saw the god awful draft hats. I, I mean. What the hell is going on? These things are so ugly. The Packers hat looks like it was straight out of a, a gas station. I mean, it's just awful. And and it's just it's not like it's one of them. They're just horrid. They are so bad. We'll we'll tweet out a couple of the pictures. Uh, I'm sure you saw it, but what were your initial reaction? Like, there's still a couple of weeks. New era. If you are listening to me right now, redo it. Redo the whole stock because they all suck. So, guys, guys, I mean, you have to be backing me up on this, right? I had to check to make sure it actually wasn't still April Fool's Day. Uh, <laughs> because, my God in heaven. Like, we were looking at them before the show. Um, and there's, like, the only ones that are halfway decent are the ones that are simple that, like, just don't do anything weird. Like, the Saints is just three fleur-de-lis and two of them are smaller and it's dumb. And the, the, the Bucks one, good. Like, the, I think my, I got my tie for the last one is the Bucks. Um, which I can't properly describe on this show because it's, I mean, this is, it's clean, right? Like this is, we have to do, yeah, we, well, technically we gotta stay away from clean. the not safe for work. Yeah. I can't. It does look like it's bedazzled. Can I, I cannot properly describe it. And the Seahawks one, which I mean, listen, listen, we're all Packers fans here, right? We're all Packers fans. So who, the Seahawks are dumb. No one here likes the Seahawks, and no one here likes the 12th man thing because they stole that from Texas A&M, and then also then they couldn't get it back. And so now they just call themselves the 12s. The fan calls themselves the 12, which is dumb. <laughs> it's, like, maybe better than G-Force, but Packers don't do G-Force anymore because that was also dumb. So, and it's just the Seahawk thing, and it says 12 behind it. And some of them have, like, thing on the bills, and some like, it's just, like, stars well, on the bills. and like this, it's such You know a, what it is, right? The common theme is the state flag. I know that, but I feel like you could do but... it better. It's poorly <laughs> conceived and also a it's bad terrible. idea. What's what's the, the one? Is it the 
The Texans, what's the the Carolina one? Like, legitimately, it's just like four panels on the front of the hat? Yeah, I mean, it's awful. Yeah. I'm now yeah. having to Google the Wisconsin State flag to see what the hell they did to... Yeah, uh, that one doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that one just looks like a wave, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously, it There's looks no... like it, it looks like the hats they used to have in, like, the, the 1950s that, they you know, they would just give away because they were so ugly that nobody wanted them. Yeah, the Titans just has, like three white stars on the brim which again is cool like it's 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 still not better than their actual hat it's just not awful the bills has red lightning bolts on the brim which i'll go to bat for but i'm also if i'm a bills fan i'm just buying a regular bills hat the steelers one is a checkered like the ravens and the bears those just have their logo on the front like okay i'm cool with that the colt the colt whoever turned those in whoever turned the bears one it was just like screw it i'm not doing anything different this is what we're submitting is just exactly our same hat i like the colts one steve i don't think it's bad I i don't like the colts one it looks like a little targets on the front like you know, like somebody scoping you on the head, and then there's a instead of a red dot, it's a it's the Colt symbol. I just picture <laughs> if I would feel comfortable wearing any of these hats in public, and the answer is like even if I was a family team, it's like no, oh, no, I don't feel comfortable wearing no. any of these hats in public. Yeah, I mean, if, imagine getting drafted. They hand you the hat, you just kind of look at it and say, "Do do I have to put it on?" Like I'll just I'll just hold it with the with the jersey. That's cool, right? It's, man, I look at that Panthers one. Oh, that Panthers one just so dumb. They're all so bad. That's just such a poorly conceived idea. It's like you remember when Maryland redid their helmets a few years ago? Well, college teams just redo their helmets on a weekly basis, and it was a state flag on the side, and it looked dumb because no one should put their state flag, their entire state flag, on the side of their helmet. It's like that, but with hats into the newest member of your organization. Why would you do that? No, these were all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, least favorites. What's your Tyler? What's least favorite? I think the Carolina one. It makes no sense. <laughs> um, the Buccaneers is pretty bad though, too. It's uh, real. It's it's really boring. Yeah. This is the problem: is you can't pick yeah. just one. So I would say the the Browns <laughs> yeah, one is just tough. stupid. Like little stars behind the Browns, I'm like dumb. Yeah, true. I think the like, the Philadelphia one with the weird crap on the brim also ugly. But yeah, I mean nothing. I don't think anything can beat that that brim of the the Buccaneers. That's just it's so it's so dumb. That's like it's your so mom dumb. in the 1980s got a hold of one of your hats <laughs> and was like, "Baby, look what I did for you! I made your hat beautiful." And you're like, "Well, I'm never wearing that again." What did you do? I like the the Steelers one. Like legit, just it looks like um, I can't decide if it's NASCAR or like a like a like something a taxi cab driver would wear because it's got like just the the yellow and black checkered and then just a huge thick yellow stripe down the middle. It's the funny thing is that of all of these, the Steelers hat is not even as bad as their throwback uniforms. So it's it's you don't like the bumblebees. <laughs> I do because I hate the Steelers and I like to make fun of them, but I I, I don't – they're not aesthetically pretty. Right, I'm so not like looking at them. We'll, we'll end this because I think I've just come up with the perfect analogy of what these hats are. These hats are like an eighth grade sewing project for kids <laughs> who don't know anything about football. <laughs>
like you know you're home at class and you're in eighth grade and you're like okay so your project your, your final project is design a hat for your favorite nfl team and like three quarters of the kids like what the hell like i don't i don't watch football so they just make some weird ass stuff on a hat and they turned it in and then new era was like, like oh cool our work's done God, that's that's Pretty remarkably good. accurate. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. <laughs> it's pretty good. Every, every once in a while, I land on a good one. So, if we can get them for next year, if they can just give the f- number one draft pick like the diorama of the <laughs> team, if they just work that, like then, then we're really in business. We're really cooking at that point. Uh, so this is my diorama of Tua Tagovailoa <laughs> throwing a touchdown pass made purely. I made, made a palm tree out of, out, of, um, <laughs> out of popsicle sticks. <laughs> I mean, this palm tree out of marshmallows with a toothpick in the middle of it, I, I feel like it's inspiring. So the Packers would just be a slice of cheese, right? It'd be really easy. It'd be really easy, yeah. <laughs> a, no, it would be a cheese head made of actual cheese. Oh. I think that'd be... Would it, it could be like a sculpture of the player made out of cheese Ooh. that someone does it right then with like... Yeah, I mean... I, I was making fun of it, but now I'm now I'm down for yeah, it. Well, but then they'd have to wait. They'd have to wait until the draft because you don't want your cheese to get sweaty. So just get someone to do it real fast, just like a chainsaw. No, no, no. We, I mean, that's you have to embrace the melted cheese because hopefully the Packers will be picking thirty seconds. So this is where you live now. Mm-hmm. This is just who you are. Mm-hmm. You just embrace, embrace this the melty cheese on your forehead. Just a big, but it's a life size. Just a big, just a big block of cheese. Just a big sweaty block of cheese. Welcome to the team. Here you go. You know, Andy Herman actually sent me onto this podcast this month to try and get you guys set straight, and I failed. <laughs> I mean, we all we love Sarah so much because she's so much fun to be on the podcast with, but I don't think she's she's not reining us in. She just she embraces it, and I think you you know we turned you pretty quickly, Tyler. So you you're yeah, we're really good or really bad, Steve. I can't decide which ones. We're I'll be curious <laughs> to see if anybody times us as to how much we didn't talk about the Packers today. But uh, this was all draft stuff, dude. We t- this was all this all related to the Packers. I think we're I think we're still on point. I mean, there was yeah. some bad, there was some bad conversation. <laughs> it was all football related stuff. It was all football yeah. related, though. You know, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, there's a football team in Philly as well, Steve. So, <laughs> all right, so that'll wrap it up for the Thursday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. We will be back. This team again will be back in two weeks. Um, and we will be focusing on running backs. So uh, I'm actually kind of excited because this is a, a pretty deep group of running backs this year. And in all likelihood, the Packers should be taking one unless there's a, you know, a trade for like a Duke Johnson or something like that, but they should be taking one. So um, this should be fun. We can be able to kind of analyze what, what, what might be for the Green Bay Packers running back wise. Um, you guys have any final thoughts or are you just ready to get the hell away from me? I would, I would very much <laughs> like Duke Johnson. That's all I'm thinking about now is I really want Duke Johnson. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that will that will wrap it up for us for the Thursday edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, and we'd love to hear. Uh, and please quote, and please uh, at New Era for any of your hat comments. I, I, really, want, I really want to get that going. <laughs> um, but for Dusty and Tyler, I'm Steve. And as always, go Pack Go. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25! Cutting right to the 20! 15, 10, 5! Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown! Rodgers...
starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up. Rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's hot. What did it caught? It is caught for a This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.